You're listening to the Clon Bike Cast, your one-stop shop for all things Clonakilty Bicycle Festival and beyond. In this week's podcast, we're sharing with you the national launch of the Vision for Cycling in Rural Ireland, a Zoom conference which took place on Wednesday, the 23rd of September 2020. It was chaired by our very own Alison Roberts. The Vision for Cycling in Rural Ireland that we're launching this evening is the result of the combined efforts of advocacy groups and stakeholders from around the country. This Rural Cycling Collective, which is a subgroup of the national body cyclist.ie, comprises of groups from Wexford to Cavan to Tralee, and I've seen some of you log in already, which is brilliant, um, who've come together to support each other, our local authorities and our government to create safer and more enjoyable cycling in rural Ireland. Um, We all had the opportunity to see safer roads and the resulting increase in cycling during lockdown. And we know that this increase in cycling will have knock-on effects on health and environmental and economic benefits. And rural Ireland has so much potential for cycling with relatively short distances between homes, schools and town centres and so much natural beauty and countless marines. And we really feel we have the foundations already. We just need to work together to build on them. I speak for all the groups in our collective when I say we look forward to working with you to bring this vision to fruition. Now, just before we begin, I'd like to briefly introduce our panel. For our Q&A panel, we're joined by Katie Mann. She's a cycle safety instructor from Cycle Sense in Skibbereen. We have Joan Swift the, from the Sligo Cycling Campaign, and she also sits as a cyclist.ie executive. And we have Damien Otuma, the national coordinator from our national body, cyclist.ie. Our speakers who will introduce and give a wider context for this vision are Anne Loon Dunn from the Kerry Bike Festival, Katrina Corr from the Kilkenny Cycling and Walking Group, as well as the Kilkenny County Council, and Joe Sachs-Eldrich from the Leitrim Cycling Festival. And Joe is an ex-transport planner who specialised in cycling in Wales, and she will shortly be giving a brief overview of the vision for cycling in rural Ireland. But first, I would like to introduce the Minister of State for Heritage and Electoral Reform, Malcolm Noonan. Minister Noonan, thank you so much for being here in support of this vision today. And I wonder if I could ask you to say a few words just to start us off. Thank you, Alison. And, I, and again, I just want to say a huge welcome to everybody to this important launch. I really. Uh, was uh, honoured and excited to, uh, to have received the, the the vision document and to be asked to do this um, uh, launch here the, this evening. It's really um, something very close to my own heart as a, a culture and a cyclist. Um, and, and a culture who has recently transposed himself up to Dublin up to, uh, and finding that in, in some cases, um, cycling around Dublin is easier than cycling around my hometown of Kilkenny. And, and that really shows the, the gulf of the challenge that we're facing as a collective. Uh, I've been involved with and associated with Cyclist.ie for quite a number of years, along with Katrina there, uh, with our own Kenny Cycling and Walking campaign. And uh, they've continued to do some fantastic work, advocacy work, uh, with our, within our local authority. We're very fortunate that Katrina has come aboard now uh, within her research uh, to help us as a cycling officer in Kilkenny. I think that's going to make a significant difference. Um, I suppose from the other perspective around uh, our programme for government, uh, we have a high level ambition and uh, quite a, an ambitious spend around cycling and walking 
over the over the term of, of the program for government and we really would like to see all those community groups out there all the people who've logged on from all over the country uh, for local authorities to be actively involved and to set out ambitious plans for cycling in their rural communities in their towns and villages there's there's quite a, a budget there an annual budget and that needs to be drawn down uh, but it, it is going to it will require to be matched up with uh, very ambitious plans and programs uh, not just to get people active in traveling in cycling and walking around their communities but this is all about decarbonizing our our entire economy as well so there's a huge big um, element to that the other piece of work that i will be involved in all, as heritage minister will be around our town centers and the future of our town centers uh, there was a crisis pre-covid uh, we all knew that around retail and around uh, people moving out from the the, the the center of our towns out to the periphery and we want to get people back living in town centres and urban centres again, particularly in our towns and villages, our smaller um, uh, regional towns. We think that's really important. And for that to happen, it's not just about the built environment. It's not just about people living above shops. It's about creating spaces, urban spaces that are conducive to cycling and walking. That's taking tra traffic out, taking HGVs away from urban centres, removing that, that air pollution uh, that we know is a persistent problem in our town centres. Uh, so that we, we really need collectively, and it's fantastic that, to, to work on this, and it's really fantastic that we have an umbrella organisation like Cyclist IE to, to help us in that regard. Um, having looked through the, the, the document and the vision document, uh, I was really impressed by it. It's the uh, eight priorities uh, set out a very clear uh, level of ambition that we all have to work towards. And about that idea about reconnecting our neighbourhoods around making cycling the, the default way of getting around. I, I'm very much uh, a, a commuter cyclist myself. I, you know, I feel that it's really important to uh, create that space where people can feel safe. And I think COVID has been mentioned. And like many of you out there, we certainly would have discovered uh, our urban and rural areas in a whole new way when the streets were quieter, when, when the traffic was removed and we we're in, in lockdown. I, I, I have two very young children whom I, I just have the fondest memories of those early days of the lockdown, cycling around Kilkenny and discovering estates and discovering rural roads, which was just absolutely just wonderful and magical. And uh, those, those are memories that will stay with me for, for, for a long time. I think there were, and I think we all have those memories. And I think what we want to get to is a space where that setting uh, be, becomes our, our way of doing things. Um, it's, we, we know, we all collectively know that this is about healthier and happier population. This is about our, our collective well-being, mental and physical, and about getting, you know, one thing I see in Kilkenny, and Katrina will absolutely, I'm sure, back this up. We see an awful lot of older people who've, who've cycled all their lives and continue to try and negotiate busier spaces. Uh, particularly older women, I find uh, that cycle in our city and love cycling into town. And, and I think that's really... Um, it's 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 those people we want to accommodate as well. Uh, my children go to uh, Gelskal Austri in Kilkenny, and there's a fantastic initiative going on there, with, where um, possibly a fifth of the school of the the pupil population is now cycling into school. Um, our the, the bike racks in in Gelskal Austri now resemble something that you might see in Rotterdam or Copenhagen. Um, they're packed; you can't get a space. My daughter was complaining. Um, the other day that, that she couldn't get a space on the, on the bike racks, which was, that's what we want to see happen. And that's the level of ambition that we want to see happen. Uh, we're here as a government uh, to support what your level, that level of ambition, to support the advocacy groups that are right around the country. Um, and hopefully that together over the next number of years, we can realize this vision for rural Ireland. Um, we've had some really good work done. Katrina has been involved as well. 
uh, in our own community around um, particularly the, 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 the tricky challenge of our rural roads. And I think that's something we want to uh, try and address as well. But I, I'm going to stay with you for a while, if that's okay. I have to take a radio interview about a quarter to six, but uh, I'm really interested to hear the deliberations and, and, and the presentations. Uh, but as I said, I'm, I'm absolutely honoured and privileged to be here uh, this evening uh, as a, an avid cyclist. And uh, I really just want to thank cyclist.e for putting this document together. Huge amount of work has gone into it. Uh, but it's really important now that um, local authorities and that all government departments buy into this and support it uh, at every level. So I want to wish you well with the deliberations this, this evening. And if, if I'm, my job is to formally launch it, I would like to formally launch this uh, really important policy. And thank you, everybody, again, for your time today. Thank you. Thank you so much, Minister Neenan. Um, a lot of what you said there, I'm sure, echoes with a lot of our groups from around the country. Um, especially just when you're saying um, about older generations who've always been used to cycling, navigating more traffic. And that's, that's what we see a lot in Clonakilty. So uh, a lot of that really resonated with me anyway, and I'm sure a lot of the others. Thank you so much for your words. And I'm going to pass it over now to Joe Sachs-Eldrich in Leitrim. Um, Joe is the visionary behind our vision um, and was one of uh, the main uh, the main people behind crafting the document and she has just had such a wealth of experience working in Wales um, and working on really similar projects that she's been able to draw from. So Joe is just going to give us an overview of the vision. So I'll pass, pass you to her now. So thank you and it's great to hear what uh, Minister Noonan had to say and that he recognises the need for these ambitious plans. Um, it's an absolute privilege to be here today launching our vision for cycling in rural Ireland. As a cyclist, a mom of a very new cyclist and a transport planner, I've seen some great stuff being done in Ireland. Thanks to some good decisions, Dublin, as you recognised, is starting to see a real shift in travel behaviour. And here in rural Ireland, we now have many beautiful greenways. But as we've all seen, lockdown gave us a real taste of how different things could be on our rural roads. And now really is the time to build on that foundation, to start to enable people in rural Ireland to cycle for everyday journeys. Journeys that start at their front door, not their car door. And we know there's a huge appetite for this. Just today, Morning Ireland reported on the number of children cycling to school in Clarenbridge in Galway and Barntown National School in Wexford tweeted photos of all the bikes in their schoolyard. Cycle buses which started in the cities are now springing up everywhere, even my old primary school in Kutal. And for more people to be able to cycle for these everyday journeys, we need to change the focus. We need to look beyond the big cities and we need to recognise that in rural Ireland, greenways are not the only answer. The Rural Cycling Collective came together to rebalance the debate and focus on what we in rural Ireland want and need. Based on our collective knowledge, experience and ideas, we created a shared vision and a clear set of eight asks, a clear way forward for making cycling once again a normal way to get around for everyday journeys. And these eight asks can put into two broad and overlapping categories. 
The first category represents the changes we need to say, see in the way things are being done in our local authorities. We need to move from an ad hoc reactive approach to one that is much more strategic and proactive. The first step in this strategic approach is mapping and identifying ambitious, comprehensive networks of really useful routes in every county. As a transport planner, I know firsthand how invaluable these network plans can be. They can be used as the basis of engagement with elected representatives, funding bodies, engineers, residents, advocacy groups, everyone needed to make them a reality. And these network plans can be used to develop programs of works. They can be used to make the absolute best use of any funding that's available. And these network plans can be used to carry out advanced design work that gives the time we need for a real assessment of options, real consultation, real collaboration, real opportunities to find the absolute best solution and the highest quality design. Because we don't want to settle for good enough. We don't have time to make the same mistakes that other places have. We need to see a change in the way people travel right now. And strategic network plans are, I believe, a crucial first step in making that happen. The second broad category focuses on changing the environments on our roads, both the physical and the social environment, changing the way we use them. So we want lower speed limits near our schools and in our urban centres. Overall, we want safer routes to school so that more of our children can be active and so that the next generation experience cycling as a real alternative. We want cycle training for all road users, for those on two wheels and those on four, so that we can all use the road safely. And we want people on bikes to be expected and respected on our roads, because we don't always need major infrastructure projects. Sometimes we just need to change the social environment. Here in rural Ireland, we have an enviable, dense network of smaller roads right for cycling. These are lightly trafficked, generally have good surfaces, and they already go virtually everywhere. So what we need is for these smaller roads, these Roja roads, to be reclaimed as roads where bicycles are expected and respected. What we need is for the people who use them to travel at a speed that would allow them to react to a cyclist around any corner. Identifying them as Roja roads, reducing the speed limits and changing the environment would be a great step in creating a network of useful routes in rural Ireland. But just as greenways are not the only answer, Roja roads are not the only answer either. And that's the problem. There is no one solution. There's no one size fits all. You all know this, we know this. And that's why we need to change the way we do things so that we can find bespoke, high quality solutions for every route. But that takes time. So we need to start right now. From our government, we of course want a commitment on all of our eight priorities. But as an immediate start, we would like to see funding to create ambitious strategic plans in every county. 
We want a review of speed limits across the country, in our urban centres, outside our schools and on our Roja roads. And we want a commitment to continue this conversation because we know we need to work together to make this happen. We will play our part by continuing to grow and strengthen numbers, by making lots of noise to celebrate the good stuff, as well as highlighting the not so good, and by being an unstoppable tidal wave. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Joe. that was fantastic. Um, I mean, I, I helped with the vision a bit and I still took so much away from that. Um, thank you so much. It's very inspiring to hear you speak. Um, I am going to pass it over now um, to Katrina Kaur in Kilkenny, who's going to give us um, a bit of an overview. What we did with the vision document is we created it in July and through the month of August, we put it out to, to the public for for feedback via an online survey. So Katrina is going to just walk us through some of the results of that, that survey and, and put them into a bit of a wider context. So over to you, Katrina. Thank you. Thank you very much, Alison. To give you a tiny little bit of background, as, as Malcolm mentioned, um, I'm, doing, I'm doing a research project with Kilkenny County Council and Waterford Institute of Technology. And as part of this, I'm working very closely with Kilkenny Cycling and Walking Campaign, members of cyclist.ie. So um, this survey was conducted online on the cyclist.ie website. I suppose, as one would expect, the profile of the respondents is that about 70% of the respondents were regular cyclists. And as well as indicative of the cyclists throughout Ireland, um, the majority of these were cycling for recreation or leisure. So a lower profile of those cycling for transport. When asked how they felt about our vision for rural cycling, of cycling being a normal way of, of transport in rural Ireland, over 50% were delighted with the, with the vision, thought it was a fantastic vision. So we asked them then to rank the priorities of which ones are the most important. And that first priority or the highest ranking priority was that cyclists are expected and respected on the roads. And as Joe referred to there on our rougher roads, that it's that social culture um, and that when drivers go around a corner, they expect to see a cyclist in front of them, that there's signage on the roads, that there's bike parking available, there's cycling facilities there. The second most highly ranked priority was best practice design and that our local authorities have the capacity to perform that best practice design and that that best practice design is in consultation with the cyclists, so with people who know their routes and who are on the roads the whole time. As Joe referred to the importance of having those network maps in the first place, that if we want strategic investment in cycling, that those network maps have to be created and on commuter routes. So not just cycleways again, but on those uh, strategic commuter routes. I'll come back to the fourth priority there, which is safe cycle routes to school, because that's something that's really after coming out of COVID as well. There's a couple of national programs running. And then the other priorities there were the lower speed limits, for the rougher roads, but also for coastal roads, for roads where we have high numbers of tourists, built up areas outside schools, the collaboration with all stakeholders, access to funding, and of course, cycle training for all. 
So then I suppose when asked about which priorities do you think we should focus on in our next campaign, again, those two were topped, create an environment where cyclists are expected and respected, and then save cycle routes to schools. This is Grail Scholastery, where Malcolm's children attend. Um, but this is a school that I've been working on this culture for a number of years. And even such a simple little thing there, there's a separate entrance for cyclists and for pedestrians than for vehicles. Um, the best practice design, that our routes are safe and comfortable for cyclists of all ages and abilities. So if the design isn't equitable from the start, then we're only going to cater for the brave and the bold cyclists. If we want to bring everyone along, then the best there has to be segregation where segregation is needed. If the traffic volumes are high, if the speed is high, we need segregation if we want to cater for all abilities and all ages. The lower speed limits, like the Love 30 campaign is an example of that. But again, it's, it's on rougher roads. It's not only built up areas. It's also outside school gates in, in areas for tourists. Creating the network map. Every local authority needs a network map. Um, and then I suppose it's about choosing the strategic pieces of infrastructure. Some of those won't be expensive. We might have some more strategic pieces like a cyclist and pedestrian bridge. We've seen a sharp decline in the number of cyclists in Irish towns. And if you look, that's gone from a percentage of about 14% of cyclists 20 years ago, right down to somewhere between one and 4%, depending on the towns that we're in now. This of course was all pre-COVID. And um, I think during COVID we have seen a shift and we've also seen the opportunity for people to experience different modes of transport. And I think there's been a shift in the perception as well of the community and of the support for cycling. In a survey that we conducted in Kilkenny, over 96% now believe that local authorities should be investing in cycling. Um, again, the primary reason for not cycling is that people do not feel safe enough. And a huge majority of these people, non-cyclists, would like to cycle more if the conditions were right. And what's overwhelming there is 87% do not agree that cyclists are sufficiently separated from traffic. So what has COVID restrictions meant? This huge disruption to everyone's habits has actually given people a chance to maybe perhaps form new habits and to look at the way they, they move, look at transport, look at mobility. And over 70% of people surveyed in Kilkenny, which is a low cycling town, plan to reduce car use. And 60% of these plan to increase walking and cycling. Huge numbers plan on using e-bikes, e-scooters, and also perhaps a bike share scheme if it was available. So we've mentioned before the importance of the safe school zone. And in Malahide and in some other schools across Dublin, they've started to trial school streets where the school where the street is actually closed outside the school from half eight until a quarter past nine and school collection times. So in Kilkenny, we've tried to establish safe school zones in a number of schools. There's been huge problems there. It's not just for the school, it's actually for the community. And what's key is involving people outside of the school. So involving everyone who's affected. So we're involving the guards, parents associations, residents and um, owners of nearby facilities in some cases. In the case of this particular school, you know, we started talks with the Agricultural Society who owned a large, a large piece of ground beside the school so we could create a park and stride. We had Cartoon Saloon, which is a well-known animation company in Kilkenny, come on board with some characters for some signage outside the school.
what was happening is it was a vicious circle. People didn't want to walk because there was too many cars. So more cars were pulling up outside the school gate. This, I think, communication with parents, communication with children is key. So a little map went out. If you live inside the green zone, you're supposed to walk to school. If you live outside the green zone, you walk the last part of the way to school. What this does is it get rid, gets rid of the cars and it creates the space for pedestrians and for cyclists. The space needs to be reallocated so that people can walk and cycle safely to school. I think that the messaging has to be key to the audience. So for the secondary school, it's perhaps empowering the students themselves to make the choices and empowering the students that, that their choices are going to infect the environment, that they're the ones who are in charge of the future. The whole aim, again, is just to reallocate space, to get rid of the cars outside the school, to get rid of the fumes and to create instead a space where people can cycle to school safely. And this is the bike rack in Goyle School now. This is one of the bike racks completely overflowing. And this school have now gone up to over 20% of children arriving on school by bike. And I think another thing about active transport, active transport is equitable. If we remove the cars from outside the school, yes, we cater for bicycles, but we also cater for all abilities as well. And we make space for all road users. This is a little project that's working very well in Kilkenny at the moment. And um, we look forward to rolling it out to other schools. Thank you very much. Thank you, Katrina. Um, it's great to have an example, uh, kind of tangible examples of what we've, we're putting through um, as points in the vision and Kilkenny's doing a great job on that. And I'm going to pass it over now to Anne-Lune Dunn in Kerry, who is going to give us a bit more context in, in relation to government stimulus package now and how our, our vision can shed a bit of light on, on, on that stimulus and what we're hoping to see moving forward. Thanks, Anne-Lune. Thanks, Alison. Uh, good evening. Um, I'm uh, Anlan Dunn, and I'm speaking to you from, from Tralee in County Kerry, and uh, I'm on the board of the Kerry Cycling Campaign. Um, thank you to Minister Noonan and to the other speakers and to you all for attending uh, the launch of our, of our vision document. Um, I'd like to speak to you about the funding aspect of the vision and how we as advocates see the best value being derived um, from the very significant monies now being made available um, by government and, and through the commitment in the, in the programme for government. Um, I think, as has been previously spoken to, um, we all understand the need uh, that exists to reprioritize our roads and our streets, um, to make walking and cycling uh, safer and more efficient for everybody. Um, several, of the, several of the priorities in our vision document explicitly uh, identify and speak to these needs. Um, and specifically, priority number six speaks to the need to ensure clear and timely access to funding. Um, in the recent July stimulus plan, this access was provided and it sought to fund active travel projects uh, across our country. And it was exciting to see you know, a huge uh, array um, of projects being approved. Um, however, we were quite shocked as advocates to see funding for cycleway projects, which are not to any design standard or principle and which have no guidance attached. Um, several local authorities, in fact, applied for funding to establish greyways uh, and they were successful in, in their application. And the term greyway, it's not actually mentioned in any uh, national or international design specification or guidance document. And at a high level appears to be nothing more than paint on the side of busy roads, which is both unattractive and unsafe. 
Um, and evidence uh, of this approach not working is visible at the approach to, to many of our towns across the country, where you see a, a neglected uh, cycle lane, um, overgrown or with a lorry parked in it, uh, which is uh, not attractive for any cyclist to use. Um, and this points to the challenges intrinsic in the system, you know, from the Department of Transport to the NTA, to TII and to the local authorities. These instruments of state, they must provide better oversight of what's being provided for if we are truly serious about shifting people from private cars to footpaths and cycle tracks. It's absolutely essential that funding, which at its core is meant to enable people to get out of their cars, is actually spent on the measures which do just that. Uh, initially, we need to reclaim space in our roads with quick build measures such as wands and curbs and bollards. And we need to see increased utilization of the Section 38 of the Road Traffic Act to expedite the deployment of these measures. We need to reduce speed limits in all urban areas to 30 kilometers an hour. And we need to see roads policing significantly stepped up in areas where people mix with motor vehicles. And these are all items that need to be funded. In the medium and long term, I think the most important thing we do is we map where we need to fund the really um, significant projects which uh, enable us to switch out of our cars and which meet the highest design standards and follow all best practice specifications. This is really important and it's as important in rural areas as it is in a city, a town or a village. I think to that end we need to fund a, a review of the National Cycling Manual and it needs to be updated in line with international best, best practice and to borrow heavily from the Dutch Crow design specifications. And the design manual for urban streets and, and roads, uh, also known as DEMERS, also needs to be overhauled. And this aligns with priority number three of our vision document, which calls for best practice design to ensure routes are safe and comfortable for cyclists of all ages and all abilities. What we also need is buy-in and commitment from regional design offices and local authorities across Ireland. You know, far too often motor traffic flow is prioritized ahead of walking and cycling and our, safe, our streets are just simply not safe to cycle with our children or our elderly relatives. And, you know, the streets really are the domain of the fit and the brave who are confident enough to compete with SUVs and trucks and cars for space. And this is not a situation we've suddenly found ourselves in. It's the result of a series of decisions. And this is a long running commitment to provide for the motor vehicle above all else. And it has to stop and has to stop soon. We have a commitment from our government right now to fund a massive shift in how we move around our country. And now is the time for all stakeholders from state bodies, cycling advocates, local authorities, the public, the media in the narrative that they use, and our elected representatives who are sitting in council chambers and in the Dáil and in the Senate to really make this happen. We need more, sp more space for people to walk, to scoot, to cycle, and we need less speed for motor traffic in our urban areas. And I'll hand it back to Alison. Thank you. Thank you so much, Anne-Lynn. Um, brilliant. Um, that spoke to me as well, um, what we've been seeing um, in Clonakilty. And I think what's great today and what's amazing about this rural collective that's formed is that there's so many of us that are, are cycle advocates in corners of Ireland working with either very small groups or, or independently. And when we come together, we can see the common, the common threads and we can share resources and we can work together to make change. Um, and I think like all of our panelists have just said, and of course, as Minister Noonan said as well, 
that there's massive potential and we have the foundations and we have the knowledge um, and we just need to get together and we need to communicate better um, and we need we need all the stakeholders in the room um, helping to make the decisions to bring this forward so um, now just to to move on we have um, this concludes the, the presentations part of the event um, just like to thank Joe and Loon and Katrina again for their presentations and Minister Neenan for his kind words of support. And um, we um, have some time for questions from you, our audience. So, and I'd like to thank Connor Cahill in advance. He's helping me moderate behind the scenes. So now to our first question that we had from Peter Brannigan. Um, he says, hello from Wexford. How do we stop county councils and town councils being encouraged to facilitate people driving into town centers? Tying council income to car parking is counterintuitive to government's claim that they want fewer people driving to school or work. How can we reward towns and villages for moving people from cars to walking and cycling? Um, so Damien, you put your hand up there if you'd like to answer that one. Yeah, uh, thanks very much indeed, Alison. Uh, I think there's a broader question about the funding of local authorities and what the optimal way to do it is. But I think the crucial point is not to have car parking right in the most uh, central and attractive parts of the town centre. If you move the car parking out a little bit, you know, you make the centre much more attractive to spend time in, to do shopping in, to walk around, to cycle around. You'll bring cargo bikes in and you'll, you'll get people spending more time there and more money. And more, Like within Cyclist.e, we really want to see towns and villages and city centres thrive. And I think the secret is to make them more attractive in the centre in terms of air quality, uh, noise, and, you know, with more seating and more bike parking. And soon, like we are beginning to see mothers and fathers with cargo bikes, bringing them into the centre, you know, public bike schemes opening up. So that, that, that'll be my advice. And I'm sure my colleagues would have further ideas. Anyone else like to add to that? We've got lots of questions, so I can move, I can move on. Um, from um, just for a quick one from Jen Fisher. I'm from County Galway and she says, how do we run a campaign through the council to get bike lanes built or extended? Which is a, probably a very big question, but would anybody like to take that? Go on, I can, Dan, I can, uh, I can take, I can take that if you oh, like. Yeah. I, I, think, um, I think it's about, it's about speaking to your council and, and just councillors. And I think, you know, I see, I see a few uh, councillors from, from County Carrier are currently uh, watching this. And I think it's really important that you really engage um, with, with uh, all of the um, political representatives that you have in your area. Um, I think in the main, they're, they're very willing to listen uh, and they're the ones who are going to represent your, your interests um, in, in council chambers. And that's, that's where this discussion begins. Um, I also think if you can build a, a relationship with your with your local engineers as well, so when they are beginning to to create designs for your local area, that you can begin to influence those so that the needs of the cyclist are recognised. Um, I think you know th those relationships are invaluable at a personal level, and if as a campaign you can build those relationships, it, you can start to to really have an impact. Yeah, Katie, Katie Man Skibberine. Yeah. Um... Great comment there from Roisin as well is ask the kids. I think I think our kids have a great role to play in getting cycle lanes in the town. If we can engage the schools and engage the kids and and finding out from the people what routes it is that they need and where they need the cycle lanes. So like Anna was saying um, earlier, it's not about just putting cycle lanes on the side of roads that already exist. 
maybe it's putting a desire line straight from the estates, straight from the schools. It doesn't have to be on the side of a road, you know, so it's where are the people moving and what do they want and looking at it in that way. So it's engagement from all the different stakeholders. Like one of the points is engage the advocacy people and the people where they actually want to cycle and engaging everybody together, the councillors and the designers. Thanks, Katie. Um, I have a question from Lucas Kreiswan. Sorry if I've mispronounced your name. Um, I think these are um, in regards to the maps that Joe was showing. Are those maps already started for each county, the strategic planning maps, I'm guessing? Is there a way of contributing to them? Who's responsible for those? Is there a coordinated manner in the councils? Yeah. There, there, so I'll, I'll jump in quickly. I'm sure there'll be others that will want to, to add to this because it's quite a it's quite an interesting one to speak to. Um, no, uh, they, these maps, these cycle network plans are not everywhere. And one of the real advantages, and I think it touches on one of the other items in the previous question, uh, is about how to how to be effective and how to run a campaign that that can assist in in generating these maps. Uh, we as cyclists know uh, which are the most efficient routes to get from A to B. Sometimes it means dismounting and walking your bike down a one-way street. Sometimes it means having to enter a pedestrian area. And if you literally print a map of your local area and you draw with some crayons what a cycle network map works, how it works and, and how it's most efficient, that's the beginnings. And how you formalize that is through that relationship that you build um, with with your representatives in, in, in the political sphere or with the engineers in the council who are willing to, to lend you their ear. Um, and that's where it starts. And in reality, what we'd want is a more centralized uh, and a consistent approach to this. And, and it's one of the items I touched on in, in the piece earlier on was we need to fund um, the development of national of, of cycling plans nationally, not only just how to get from A to B within a town, but potentially how to get from Tralee to Killarney or you know, anywhere else in the country and how to do that safely and efficiently. Um, and I think technology plays a big, a big role there, um, but it needs investment and, uh, and it needs investment soon. Damien? Yeah, just to add to that, um, cyclist.ie, we currently have 25 member groups dotted around the country. And our ambition is for every county in Ireland to have a strong local campaigning group. But in the meantime, if you contact the group that's nearest to you at the moment, and we're happy to share our advice on how best to connect with the council and really to, um, you know, really that every single town and city in Ireland has a cycle network plan. And then the, the, um, the next step is to have that implemented step by step, you know, during the period of the development plan and beyond it. Get it inscribed into the development plan. And then for that to be, you know, as, as Katrina mentioned earlier on, you, you prioritise the most important elements. There's lots of quick wins you can advance. And then, you know, before you know it, you're building up a good quality cycle network over, over the years. Thank you, Damien. Um, Joan in Sligo. Thank I was you. just going to add to that, that while we may not have actual maps around the country, there are different signed, different types of signed cycle routes, but there isn't any standard as to who those routes might be suitable for. And uh, the dad of an eight-year-old was coming to Sligo from Galway recently, and he asked us, would it be a good idea for him to take his uh, son uh, on the cycle loop around Loch Gill because he had seen that there was a signed route. But the answer is that it absolutely wouldn't. The fact that there are signs up saying that it's a cycle route doesn't mean that it's a cycling for all route. And equal, equally, just lately, signs for the um, our part of the Atlantic or the Eurovelo um, have gone up. 
But again, they, those are going to have to be aligned with, you know, speed limits and traffic calming and the type of things people have been talking about before they would be suitable for everybody. And it's going to have to be, you know, made clear. Are we talking about, you know, cycling for the competent, experienced, you know, 40 year old who's been cycling all his life? Or are we talking about it for um, a fellow uh, to go for a cycle? Thank you, John. Yep, Joe. Just to add as well, as I mentioned in, in my bit, um, these network plans are key to getting really useful routes put in. As we saw with the active travel stimulus package recently, a lot of the uh, schemes that were funded are ones that are just most deliverable. And deliverable and quality aren't necessarily the same thing. So we need to have these network plans so that we can have good quality routes that actually connect people from a trip attractor to a trip generator and actually have an impact on the way we travel. Thank you. I know one of the things we've struggled with in Clonakilty is our, our, our roads, like the one, if any of you saw the invitation film, there's a, a shot of me cycling down a quite a small road, but it's actually a major tourism road with, with cars both ways and, and that during COVID it was completely empty so it was beautiful but unfortunately our speed limit reviews happen only once every two years and the speed limit on that road is 80 kilometers an hour and even though it's impossible to drive that road at 80 kilometers an hour um, we can't apply for a reduction in speed we've been told for another two years as a group so there's a lot of administration that gets in the way we want to post that as the cycle route and put cycle signs but of course our local area um, engineers won't aren't comfortable with that because it is a dangerous route for cycling and they don't want to send people into places that are dangerous. So there's kind of a, a lot of chicken and egg um, that needs to happen. We need to, we need to get the road safer for cycling and, and build the network and it, we need to work together. Basically we have um, from Roisin, have you engaged with cycling Ireland regarding cycle training qualifications and have you engaged with green schools travel? Also has anyone engaged with local priests or media to reach out to local car users? Yeah, Damien. Um, just to say that uh, cyclist.ie, we have a strategic partnership with Cycling Ireland and with Antashka. So we're in constant dialogue with them broadly as to how collectively we can, you know, move the cycling agenda forward. Uh, certainly on cycle training, I think we need to, you know, we need to sit down more and see how cycle training can be uh, rolled out around the country more. Maybe, I don't know if Katrina has any further thoughts on the, the cycle training side of things, but we do. We're in constant dialogue with Cycling Ireland and with Antashka. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Thanks, no, I, I think it is crucial that there's cycle training in schools, you know, and that at the moment, I suppose it's dependent on on the schools themselves as to whether they take up on cycling. So generally, generally you'll find schools that are interested in cycling would be the ones that are offering cycle training. So if there was something that was built into the curriculum, you know, that would possibly be a great way to go for cycle training. But I think when a school is approaching creating that cycling culture, you know, it's about ticking all those boxes. So it's about providing the cycle training. It's about yeah. providing the role models. It's looking at the infrastructure around the school. It's engaging the parents associations and it's the cycling buses. So it's all the little things that have to be nudged along. And it's perhaps a, a schedule of events over the year to keep up the momentum as well, you know, and looking at all those little motivational factors. But cycling training is a key part of it too. Great, thank you. Yeah, John? John and Katie, John and Katie, yep. 
yeah, sorry, this is a diversion from the from the training, but it's just that uh, Minister of State for Public Health, Frank Feehan, is in my constituency, which is also Joe's constituency, and we had invited him today, but he had to send an apology. But he did ask if we'd pass on his uh, good wishes, and he asked if I'd read a message of support. So um, I will just do just the first few lines of it, where he said that, the vision you set out of an Ireland where cycling is a normal way of travel to school, work and other locations is very much one which my department shares and wishes to encourage. And then he mentioned the 60 actions of the 2016 National Physical Activity Plan and he mentioned the Balance Bike and Rocket Rocket programmes, which are actually training, if you like, at the, at the mini end. So I just thought I'd, uh, I'd bring it in there. And uh, maybe public health obviously has been mentioned as you know one of the reasons for promoting cycling. So uh, we might talk to the minister at a later date about uh, things around uh, that. So thanks, and I'm sorry for the intervention. I think Katie was ready, was she? Yep, yep. Go ahead, Katie. We'll just do maybe five more minutes. We're, we're just keeping an eye on time here. Um, yeah, so as a cycle ride instructor in the schools, like we do, we do the training um, in the schools, and that's wonderful. But like um, Katrina said, without the rest of it, they, it's hard for the children to go out cycling. And education as well, it's getting the kids is really important. But as well, if we're going to change culture, we need to have cycle training for the adults. So I was just doing some adult cycle training. And it is quite hard to engage adults, but when they do the cycle training, they just absolutely love it. It really helps people to build that confidence and they'd be great. It'd be great to have that supported by funding as well. So, and have programs rolled out. And as well, like one of the points is uh, education and cycle training for everybody. So cycle training for drivers in cars, in in the when people are passing their driving tests so they know how to react around cyclists and that will help with cyclists being expected and respected as well so there's there's a piece of work to do there as well thanks katie it's great i'm just looking through all the chat that's happening um in the chat box as well and i'm looking forward to reading it all properly afterwards because there's some really great conversation happening um there's one for damien here um thanks damien does moving parking out of the center of wexford address the issue of county council funding. Why would Wexford County Council willingly reduce the source of income? I guess what I'm asking is, how do we replace this income if fewer people drive to towns to pay for parking? Yeah, I, I, I think the point is that the car parking would be moved right from the very centre to slightly further out. So the council would still be receiving car parking income from that parking, which you're really opening up space then for other, for other activities which would enhance the town further. Thank you. Um, and I have a question for you, Katrina, as well. So I'll, I'll tack that on uh, a question. How successful, Katrina, how successful was the map in dissuading drivers from accessing the non-driving area around schools? Uh, so the map was more so the, the green area of the map was to show people the walking distance. So the NTA provided that. It's a new model they're using called the PED shed, the pedestrian shed. And it basically shows the distance, um, which would include shortcuts. You know, it, it maps permeability as opposed to just car routes. Um, so, so that's a fantastic little thing. We weren't sure about including it, um, but it's actually been a real hit with the children because you're not allowed to walk if you live in the green area or you're not allowed to, get, you're not allowed to go by car if you live in the green area. That's the children's take on it. So it, it, it actually worked out um, way better than we expected. 
And I suppose I just wanted to come in there on the car parking. Um, I know what can be done as well is that the car parking that's closer to the town centre, when the charges are increased, there can be a higher turnover of cars. So it doesn't necessarily mean a loss of revenue to the county councils, but that there's, um, you know, those who are doing all day parking are pushed further out and that the car parks closer to the centre are available then for shoppers and for people who want to come into the town centres. And because there's a higher turnover, there's not actually a huge loss of revenue to the council. Thank you, Katrina. Um, just looking up another one. So there's lots of great comments. So I have one from Brendan. Is there a way for communities to apply to councils for their local road network to be designated as cycle friendly? Which I not, think is a bit of not what we've officially. Been talking about. Yeah, yeah, I think Brendan. we kind of touched on it earlier on. Uh, not officially. I think what you can do is you can contact your political representatives and ask them to to represent you in council chambers and suggest that that um, a, a route is repurposed or um, reassigned. Um, but I, I don't think there's an official way of you doing that. I mean, if you can demonstrate uh, a need, then you'll have a far better argument. Maybe Joe has more. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, and then Joe. You want to have something to add there? Do it as a whole country rather than each individual authority having to, to go through the process on their own. But if we work together, maybe we can do this more nationally. Thanks, Joe. Um, John Fitzgerald, a very good question. Um, the Smarter Travel document from 2009 to 2020 had 19 objective, objectives which had not been met, or badly in some cases. How will this initiative be different? And this is something that we're all very aware of as well. Um, by 2020, we were meant to have safe cycle routes to all schools in Ireland, I think was one of the objectives. Would anyone like to answer to that? I mean, part of it is that, like Joe said, um, this is coming from the, our initiative is coming from a, a rural collective of cycling advocacy groups. So our pledge, like she said at the end, is we will continue to celebrate cycling and make noise and, um, and keep drawing attention to these to these priorities um, and keep trying to engage with all the stakeholders. Um, anyone, Damien, yeah? Yeah, so in, in 2009, the National Cycle Policy Framework was published, which was a really ambitious document and it wasn't implemented steadily, partly because it was published just before the crash, but I don't think there was really the political will. There was four, there was maybe four or five ministers of transport and junior ministers in place over the following decade. I think what's really interesting at the moment is that um, you know, we've got a COVID crisis. There's a, a huge rupture to the system. People's habits are changing. People are open to new ideas. And I think it's a really exciting time at the moment to, to create change. The program for government that was published in June is really ambitious. There's a lot of very good cycling commitments in there, particularly around funding. I think cycling advocacy nationally is a lot more organized than it was 10 years ago. Lots more groups all around the country, not just in the city. So I think we're we're in a far better place now than we were 10 years ago to implement the changes. So anyone out there listening, do get involved in your local advocacy group. If there isn't a group locally, you know, we can help you set one up. We've had new groups recently in Navan, in Carlo. The Kilkenny Cycling Campaign has really come on in leaps and bounds in the last year or two. So, so get involved. We can create change and there's a brilliant momentum at the moment. Thank you so much, um, Damien. Um, one from Clara Clark, we'll just take maybe one more question and then we're going to wrap it up. Clara says, can all the local authority planning ensure that cycling for all ages and abilities is covered? That includes hand cycles, disability bikes, trikes, and our beloved cycling with age, trishaws. We would love that, obviously. Um, 
we'd love to see inclusive cycling on and all that, that, infrastructure. That speaks to the best practice design, you know, and and you'll see you'll see lots of instances across the country of where best practice hasn't been followed, despite the fact that it does exist. So where you do find something like that, um, you do need to to get in touch with your county council or or as a group, um, get in touch with your county council and ask them to change it. Um, it's really important that you point these things out and keep an eye on all the section 38s and the part eights that get get proposed for for cycling projects because some of them can include measures that that are not the best practice and they need to be to be addressed and highlighted Go ahead, Just like having a network plan and doing advanced design doing it 12 months or two years in advance gives you the time to ensure everybody's needs are met and that you can find the best highest quality design for that route rather than just rushing stuff through. Absolutely. Um, the link Damien was referring to earlier in cyclist.ie slash maps. Um, you can, it's an interactive map and you can find your nearest advocacy group. And of course, we'd love to hear from people and work together. Um, to wrap up, um, I think that's all. If any of our, does anyone want to say anything before I wrap up? Good. Um, just really? a thank you to you, Alison, for for MCing today. Excellent. I think you've done a great job, Excellent. and uh, and thanks Excellent. to um, to all the rest of the speakers as well. It's been fantastic. Thanks, and Lynn. Just to finish off, I want to just once more um, sincerely thank all of you guys for joining us today um, and for the conversation that we've had. And although um, Minister Noonan has had to leave, just thank him again for his words of support. It was great to have him here. Um, I'd like to again just thank our panel. You guys are fantastic. It's been brilliant to work with you all on this. Um, and um, to Connor Cahill for your help running in the smooth running of this event. <laughs> You're amazing as always. Um, if you'd like to get in touch with any of our groups or you haven't read the full vision document, you can find all that info on our national website, cyclist.ie slash rural vision. So we have our own page within our national, um, the national website and you can find um, the link to this recording later in the week, we'll post it up there. So if anybody wants to share this or listen back to it, Thank you so much. And we look forward to continuing this conversation. And the main thing about the vision is it, you know, we're all mostly volunteer um, advocates, passionate about cycling. And it's a work we need to, we need everybody to get on board who can, who has the time to get involved and, and to celebrate cycling in their local areas and to get involved in whatever capacity they can offer. So um, thank you. Thank you everyone again and enjoy the rest of your evening and the rest of bike week and EU mobility week. You've been listening to the Clon Bikecast, your one-stop shop for all things Clonakilty Bicycle Festival and beyond. Thanks to everyone who took part in the national launch of the vision for cycling in rural Ireland. To cyclist.ie and most of all to Alison Roberts for chairing the meeting. See you next time.